so are you DTFX? Drinking and talking fantasy football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. Good evening, everyone. Happy Tuesday for joining us live here. Welcome to the show. DTFF is back. And dare I say better than ever? Dare you? I think dare you just did. I. Yeah, we've got a great show for us. We are talking the ghost of fantasy past this week. In, in light of it being the holiday season. That's right. The, the the ghost of fantasy past comes to us and takes us on a journey and shows us the error of our ways from earlier this offseason that we could have avoided. So, so that is- much relevance, Dustin. Yeah. It's like the most timely show we've ever done. Weird. Weird. Uh, before we get into it, though, Jake, my co-host, how goes it tonight? It goes so good. Uh, not only because we're recording this show. Obviously, that helps my night go go well. But also because I'm coming off of a weekend, which we just talked about uh, prior to hopping on here, where I got to visit Soldier Field and watch the Packers uh, lay the fourth quarter smackdown on the Green Bay Packers. Dustin got so excited that he dropped everything. I know. I Shit falling uh, all over the place here. Shit falling all over. He's doing his best to recreate uh, all of the drops that some of the uh, receivers had on. Yeah, Sunday. that's no. It, it totally <laughs> tied it right back in. No, it it was a fantastic. Uh, Dustin, I know our Packers, our beloved Packers, mm-hmm. who now your <laughs> Packers flag Keep in the Keep background. Talking. Keep talking. Even got to shuffle out of it i know it's been a rough nobody there's nobody watching live right now it's fine (laughs) (laughs) it's been a rough patch for the packers is what i'm trying to say dustin it was nice even if it doesn't ultimately mean anything to see them get a victory over the bears because it's the bears and let's be honest you got to visit soldier field which from the sounds of things is not going to be there too much longer in the home Mm -hmm. of the bears so to go get to see one of the historic stadiums of the nfl I think it's really fucking awesome, man. I would love to go visit there before it gets demolished. It was very cool. Uh, it was great listening to all the Salty Bears fans sitting around me, but they were actually <laughs> generally very, very pleasant, too, uh, even with an enemy in their territory. So, yes, it was cool to see them before they move over to Arlington Heights or wherever the new stadium mm-hmm. is. But uh, uh, that's all a long way to say I'm, I'm very well, Dustin. How are you? Good. I am doing terrific. I mean, there's no place I'd rather be than right here, right now, chopping up some football with you. Aww. I know. That's the Christmas spirit. Isn't it sweet? (laughs) It is. It really genuinely is. I think everybody can agree. Speaking of sweet, Dustin, I want to talk about what I'm drinking because I tried to be festive and even fit the idea. I know we're a couple of weeks out from the holidays, but I had this drink. The other night when we started putting up some decorations in the house. I like my eggnog. I don't know where you stand on the nog, Dustin, but I'm a big fan of it during this one month. And I'm a bigger fan of it when I get to mix it with some whiskey. So that's exactly what I've done. I mixed some bourbon in with some uh, local eggnog. I don't make this stuff. You can buy it here in a scrape. Throw a little cinnamon, a little nutmeg, a little bourbon in that thing. And fantastic. I'll admit it sounds really good. And of course, the only way to have eggnog is with booze in it. I don't understand the non-alcoholic version of eggnog. Like, I I just don't get it. I am not an eggnog fan, unfortunately. Hold nothing against the people that do. Just not my flavor. It's fine. But I am drinking here. Uh, This is called Afterglow. Uh, This is from Good City Brewing. And they are located out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin which is Algonquin for the good land. Uh, this is a dark lager coming in at 4.8%. And it is so smooth, so tasty, good. It, it feels like you're drinking something heavier, you know, because it's, it's dark and it's yeah. got some of those roasty malts to it. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, under 5%, it's one you could sit and drink all night and not feel the effects the next day. So it's it it's is rare a terrific a winter beer. 
terrific beer. Yeah, winter beers normally tend to be, I don't know, they just feel like they're more high octane or mm -hmm. thicker or something, but mm -hmm. that's nice. I'm going to have to keep that one on my radar. Yeah, it's nice it's one. really good. This is one I will probably, whenever I see it, buy some just so I can have it kind of stashed in the back of the fridge because it is just a really good sipper beer. Um, like I said, it's good for the, the winter months here where it tastes heavier and roastier than it actually is. That's great. I like it. I like it. Keep that one on the list. Two thumbs to up bring back from this guy. <laughs> well, you know what uh, I'm giving two thumbs up to this week, Dustin? It's last week's beer bet. Uh, <laughs> last that week, about sums uh, it up. <laughs> since you probably don't really want to take this visit or, or uh, talk about it much more, but we went in the backfield of the Chargers versus the Raiders. We proposed Austin Eckler versus Josh Jacobs. I took Josh Jacobs. Austin Eckler. Eckler did plenty fine, by the way. 13.2 fantasy points. That is a fine day. But it was not as fine as Josh Jacobs, who ended up with a clean 21 fantasy points. So I will take that. I am happy that he was able to get me the win. Yeah, 13 points is fine. Not what you're expecting out of Austin Eckler, though. Um, as the was he number one, number two overall running back on the season. Mm. I know Josh Jacobs is right up there, though, with the late season surge he's been having. I thought this matchup would be a little bit closer than it was. I mean, I didn't expect it to be a runaway one way or the other by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so it's a little disappointing it wasn't closer, but um, just basically putting off the inevitable here at this point. Jake, you are an amazing fantasy football prognosticator slash genius. Cheers. Thank you, sir. And as you're uh, checking down that fireball, it just speaks to me now that I could put fireball in this eggnog, and that would be fantastic. Because oh. it's a cinnamon, you got the cinnamon whiskey. You got the cinnamon. You got the whiskey. Yeah. Man. Two birds, one stone. Oh, you're just uh, full of good ideas now. So I'm going to well, have to do that later. That's about it for the night. I'm, 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 I'm allotted <laughs> one good idea per show. Um, so we'll, we'll see if that holds true or if i strike gold and have more than one here um but before we get to our main event here um did you put out that twitter poll we talked about last week i see that says twitter sure poll did. results so I did. so hit us with that i didn't see the poll come up otherwise i would have shared it um look at me well. not, uh, not not promoting shit from our own show here that, that's, that's a great host <laughs> man well that's all right because i ended up sharing it here so we got uh, a decent chunk of results but here's what's interesting the twitter poll from last week we're asking how many fantasy football players live outside of the u.s we had a conversation about it a little bit last week uh, dustin you had supposed that you know the majority of fantasy football players probably do mm -hmm. reside in the u.s course we each have a, a handful maybe of people that we play in with leagues who are outside of it thinking you evan brown uh from yep. from the good ireland land but the poll had 83 percent of respondents living inside the u.s 17 percent outside so that kind tracks. of as you expected right mm -hmm. yeah but thank you to everyone that responded and thank you to all of our intercontinental friends out there listening and or watching us we appreciate you well said well said. thank you well All right. dare we get into my favorite part i assume your favorite part i love this my city. favorite segment the drunk trade of the week let's hit it drunk 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 hammer drunk 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 trade of the week Dustin, this week's comes to us from where else? But Reddit comes from Penguin Belly 701 on Reddit, to be uh, sure. They traded away Justin Jefferson for Jalen Waddell and Brees Hall. The oh. day before, Brees Hall tore his ACL. Oh. Dustin, oh. RIP, they say. So if you recall, this was back in week seven when that happened to Brees Hall. You can't, you cannot combat bad luck 
in this way. You cannot combat bad no. injury luck. There's nothing you can do about it. You just have to take it on the chin. When it happens and when it happens this close to the trade, it is one of the worst feelings in the world. All right, Dustin? What What is honestly worse than this within the fantasy football realm? Is anything? Not much. It's it's really not. that. That's freaking brutal. So, obviously, we know who, quote-unquote, won this trade now. Well, right? If you have Justin Jefferson, you still feel good. But do we call it a clean win? I mean, this is still fairly close, right? Yeah, I don't... I think this is... I think it's a fairly even trade altogether. I mean, it's unfortunate Brees Hall tore his ACL. Uh, granted, he probably won't be back full strength next season just because of the timing of the injury this year so you're gonna have to hold on to him for a whole another season before you finally get him on the field with Jalen Waddle. but Jalen Waddle's young Reese Hall will still be young when he comes back from his ACL like yes it's unfortunate but I feel like um you, you got I, I actually like the Waddle Brees Hall side uh, a little bit better um just in terms of value I mean you're getting two stud players one at each position which is nice um and Jalen Waddle um what is he he's currently ninth overall where Justin Jefferson's fourth looks like there's about 60 70 points between them which with Brees Hall you're gonna more than make that up uh you're gonna make that up and then some in scoring so I actually really like the Waddle Brees Hall side of this deal uh, it's just the timing's unfortunate, you know, that that you lost Brees Hall. But, I mean, really, you didn't lose a ton of production if you're making a push for the playoffs or something. So, I don't, I mean, it's an unfortunate timing is all it is. And there's nothing you can do about it. The fantasy gods and goddesses are fickle. They're so fickle. Uh, since week seven, from weeks eight and on, by the way, uh, Justin Jefferson has been the wide receiver three in points per game with uh, 18.3 per. Jalen Watt a little bit further down the list, unfortunately. He is just barely cracking the top 20 since that time with 12.9 points per. Uh, I do expect him to bounce back even for the rest mm -hmm. of the season. Even if this is a redraft trade, it could have been so much worse. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know. It's not bad to have a guy like Jalen Model. Of course, you would prefer Jefferson if it is redraft, but I agree with you in Dynasty that, well, I agree with you to an extent. I think I would still prefer Justin Jefferson in Dynasty just because he's such an absolute stud. Jalen Waddle seems to me like he will be one of the very consistent guys, uh, but not somebody with his ceiling. And Brees Hall, I'm still a little bit nervous about what it looks like when he does come back. I'm sure, you know, it'll be hopefully better than like the Cam Akers experience. I think right. that's what we have to hope for. Absolutely. I, I mean, you're always hoping for more of the Adrian Peterson than the J.K. Dobbins treatment here. Indubitably. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as, as far as drunk trades go, that one fairly even though. I mean, there was no reference on how much drinking was involved or when it was made, you know, anything like that. But sure. all in all, I, I fair trade both sides. Like I wouldn't hate it either way. Yeah, I I don't think you can. I don't think you're allowed to, Dustin, after some of the shit show trades that we've seen come in in the past That's few true. weeks. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, let's move on here to our main event here. And as I said at the top, the ghost of Fantasy Past has come back to show you your wrongs this fantasy season. And what does he show you? So, Jake, why don't you start us off here? What is What is the ghost of Fantasy Past showing you? Well, when he comes trotting through my living room with those chains, those heavy-ass chains dangling around and clanking, he's telling me to come back with him through the door into the off-season, before anything even started, before the drafts even happened. And he's telling me, hey, man, go talk to your league commissioner. Go make it a focal point. To have unlimited IR spots in your league. Because holy shit, the amount of injuries that are about to happen. And truly, I think we say it every year. 
I think we do. That this is the worst year I can remember for injuries. We do say because that I think as we fantasy forget. players all the time. Right? We probably just have short memories. And we just forget how many players were injured last year. But you have to admit, the amount of studs or stud-adjacent players that have gone down for the season, either for the entirety of it or at least for a big chunk of it, it's been rough riding. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of these names we're talking about, Cooper Cup, and now his quarterback, Matthew Stafford. We're talking about Brees Hall, talking about Javante Williams, talking about Hollywood Brown. We're talking about Rashad Bateman. We're talking about a lot of these guys. That's not even factoring in somebody like DeAndre Hopkins, who was suspended for the first uh, six games, I believe it was, of the season. There's been so many top-tier names that it just makes you realize this is the riskiest game. Fantasy football, it's a very risky, unlucky game in general. There are ways to mitigate that risk. And one of those ways, I do think, is like for the short-term injuries, short-term IR guys, having all of those spots available is a good leveler for everybody involved. Because... Commissioners, I'm talking to you all now. If your rival, let's say, in the league has four guys on IR and they're able to put all four guys into their respective IR spots, that does not make them a good team. Still, they are still having to combat the injuries. They're still having to play waivers, make trades, uh, do sometimes quite a bit of streaming. But it can happen to anybody. And so to have one roster where it's like, ah, man, nine of the guys they drafted are all out on IR. That's an extreme example, of course, but it can happen. It just seems a little ridiculous to not at least offer that one small token for them. To just be like, all right, you don't have to drop them. Wait for them to come back. You you still have to deal with the, uh, you know, the second, third, fourth tier guys that you're adding to your squad. Mm -hmm. Probably not going to win as many games. It just feels like a nice way to circumvent some of that. Would you agree with that, Dustin? I would. Absolutely. I, I think that's a good thing to have, especially especially in light of some of these major injuries we see every single year. If there's a way to alleviate that, I should be all for it. Yeah, alleviate it away, damn it. Uh, just out of curiosity, Dustin, who's the one guy across your leagues where as soon as they went out injured, you thought to yourself, fuck, is my season over? Do you have one of those guys? Oh, I've got a couple of those guys. I mean, not that my season's over, but it definitely stung. Like, you know, losing Kyle Pitts here, I know while he wasn't doing anything great in what I'd hoped for in drafting him so early in redraft this year. However, he was... I I could count on him to get me like at least eight points a week, 10 points a week. Like it was nothing. Most weeks. Yeah, I think you could. (laughs) Like it wasn't. I mean, but at least I knew what I I had with it. Where now I'm kind of just scouring the waiver wire, uh, especially in our home league where like everybody has at least two tight ends on their team. Um, So it's really scraping the bottom of the barrel here at this point. Uh, And that that's. It's it's hurting me here down the stretch, with, which I don't like. I have to agree with you, by the way, because, you know, the, the league that I I think I'm actually doing the best in uh, is one where I had luckily picked up Craig Dulcich, which is okay to some extent. He's a little bit more of a Kyle Pitts type, but I had lost, at least for a few weeks, Dallas Goddard. and mm-hmm. I've lost every- him in one of my leagues as well. Every week since Dallas Goddard has been on IR, I have lost the week. He was such a crucial mm-hmm. point. He was consistent every single week. And there's not Again, many of those guys out there. Yeah, he wasn't flashy, but you knew he had a, he had a great floor every single week. Yep. 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 Yeah, he, that, that was one that hurt. The and then now here with uh, Jimmy G being out the rest of the season, I've got him in multiple leagues as, as kind of my second or third quarterback. And that, and I've actually been starting him because he's been putting up good points. Mm. And 
that's going to hurt here down the stretch as well. So, so many guys. Pain. It's terrible. But this transitions, I think, nicely, potentially, Dustin, into one of the things that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I guess we could talk about that one <laughs> since you led me right into it. I wasn't going Sorry, to. Sorry, I'm but... all about transitions, <laughs> man. Um, but yeah, so basically. And I, I, I have to force myself to remember this next year for redraft. Get Kelsey or get Andrews. If you miss out on the two of them early, and it's okay to take them early because mm-hmm. they are difference makers. If you miss out on those two, you might as well punt the, the uh, tight end position until the end of the draft. I mean, because it's there is... It's a wasteland after that. Yes, you have some guys, like you said, Goddard, you know, Hawkinson moving to the Vikings. He's looked okay, but they're not really difference makers. Like when when you're drafting someone that early, if you're going to pull the trigger on a tight end, why why take a mid-round tight end in the fourth, fifth, sixth round when you can be getting a great wide receiver? You can get, you know, maybe a mid-round running back that will, you know, has some upside to it that's, you know, maybe not a stud, but has a pathway to good usage or even take a quarterback. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to take a different position earlier, then grab a quarterback early instead of waiting and just punt the tight end position. Cause it sucks. It does suck. Now I will say the one other guy speaking of the injury thing that was doing decent for you was Zach Ertz. That's the one area where I can pat myself on the back for a tight end take because I loved Zach Ertz. But even he was still not going to win you a week. He was doing just enough to not lose you a week, which mm-hmm. is still okay in some respects because the rest of the tight ends have been such a crapshoot. But you're right. That's not that's not winning fantasy football. That is playing to not lose fantasy mm-hmm. football by doing that. So I have to concede. I mean, we, we've talked about it plenty already. We failed on the Travis Kelsey yep, uh, big time. projections this year. I had taken him in the first round last year, as a matter of fact, for a redraft. And then I said, ah, he didn't do enough to win me enough games. So I'm not doing that again. And then I look like a damn fool. So <laughs> next year, I will be, we will probably be fighting uh, to see who can draft Travis Kelsey first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So what do you got next year, Jake? Well, this is a nice, smooth transition away from what you were just talking about because the onesie position. This year, especially, have just felt like there is the top, top tier, there is a big break, and then there's everything else. And that does relate to quarterbacks as well, Mm -hmm. as you alluded to. And taking the high-end quarterbacks is a fine way to spend that draft capital. You and I both, I think, historically, have been a little bit more on the side of J.J. Zacharyson's method of Mm-hmm. Late round quarterback. Find the diamonds in the rough. Try to find Lamar Jackson right before he breaks out. Try to find Josh Allen right before he breaks out. That kind of thing. Or wait and take sort of a safety option, like a Kirk Cousins, somebody who tends to get overlooked in your fantasy drafts. Hang back, take one of those guys. And I would say there's been years where that's been a profitable move or a valuable move. But this year, the people who took Josh Allen in the first round of their redraft leagues, when everybody was cackling to themselves, uh, look at that. Look at that fucking dummy mm-hmm. drafting a quarterback in the first round. How stupid. Those people are now salivating at the idea of having a Josh Allen on their team, probably. If they're not somebody who also spent high draft capital on Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. the one guy where you could look at this and say, yeah, but what about Justin Herbert? Yeah, sure. People spent high draft capital on Justin Herbert, and that hasn't worked out as well. To be fair, a lot of that, I think, was due to another injury of Keenan Allen mm-hmm. being out for a vast majority of the year. And I think with him in the lineup, it looks a lot different, and his fantasy value is much better. He was still fine, by the way. He's not been a bad fantasy quarterback. He just hasn't been the the game breaker that you want him to be. But like we said earlier, you can't predict injury. And so, you know, would I have rather taken 
Let's use our home league for an example here, Dustin, because mm-hmm. this is fun to look back on. I have our draft sheet pulled up. So do I. How about that? Oh, look <laughs> at these minds. And we've got Kim taking Justin Herbert at the tail end of the second round. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have done that, taken Justin Herbert, or would you rather have done a method like, let's say, oh, I don't know, just to pick a name out of the hat, our friend Andy, who drafted Derek Carr in the 10th round and backed it up with Matt Ryan in the 14th. Which of those would you rather have? Well, obviously now, looking back, I would rather have Herbert. But I think at the time, mm-hmm. his draft strategy was pretty solid. Because sure. I think we all thought Derek Carr was going to have a much better season than he's had with Devontae Adams. We thought Matt Ryan would probably have a little bit of rejuvenation here in Indianapolis and not get benched like he did. So, uh, I, and obviously this is us looking back like that. That's the whole right. point of this show. Obviously I'd rather have Herbert, but you know, pro- Remember, I, like, I, I like his process. This is not me critiquing I know. Andy. This I know. is the ghost of Christmas past critiquing Andy. So I abstain from any criticism uh, of his team here. Uh, even though I'm the asshole bringing it up. Uh, I and, do just think it's it's important to look at because I agree. I, even this year, fell into this method much more. I'll throw myself under the bus here. I took Kirk Cousins in round eight, thinking that that was a value, thinking that that was a steal. And then I backed him up with Trevor Lawrence in the 11th, thinking I'm going to find that breakout guy because we were so high on the Jags offense. I'm going to find the next Josh Allen for fantasy. Type of thing, and it did not work out. Mm-hmm. That's unfortunate for you. Ghost <laughs> <laughs> of Christmas Pass doesn't have anything to show Dustin for his team because it's doing so well. So, can we just, since we're talking about our home league, can I just go off an aside here for one hot minute? And I sure. know pretty much no one from our league listens to this, so <laughs> it, it's not going to matter. Uh, yeah. Can I ask? how Kim is still doing so well. She lost Cooper Cup. She lost Brees Hall. She lost Trey Lance. Like, how is she still winning? Uh, I have a two-part answer. I don't that. understand. <laughs> Let me, like, I have a two-part answer. One, she has a, a still solid quarterback who's not getting her negative points. In our league, which is very important, listeners, yes. our league really penalizes bad quarterback play. More very than the much. average league play. Yes. Uh, the other part of that is, I mean, fantasy football is fickle as shit. <laughs> and it doesn't always matter who drafts the best on-paper roster. I thought you were going to have a better answer than that. No, oh. it's about who's who you're playing week to week. Uh, sometimes the luck is on your side. To her credit, though, I will say, and we're going to talk about this guy a little bit later in the show, you know, she found some good late-round gems like Garrett Wilson being drafted mm-hmm. in the, the 13th round. Yeah, she really had to wait it out for that to come around and kind of pay off, but it's paying off now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, taking sort of safer wide receivers like Juju Smith-Schuster, like even Christian Kirk, and those kind of guys, when you lose your studs, you know, it's going to hurt. But if these guys come on at the same time, it can balance it out. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, that's enough of that, because I'm sure our listeners don't want to hear us espouse about our home league here anymore are you sure i'm, right, I'm sure talk about we can dedicate some off-season talk to uh <laughs> to that especially if you know trends continue and i actually win the league we'll have lots of conversations about it over the yeah, yeah the off-season yeah. here but um the next thing the ghost of fantasy past has shown me is don't sleep on aging running backs for whatever reason, I know people love to fade running back when they hit like 26 years old. And it's awesome. Oh, my God, they're too old. They have too much tread on their tires. They're, you know, they just got their second contract. Second contract running backs don't produce. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Like this, this group of the 2017 running backs that came in, they're still producing and they're still producing really well. And I think that's going to continue into next year, even though we have this supposedly amazing group coming in, in the upcoming draft this year in 2023, but 
don't sleep on them. You're going to be able to get these guys, I think, a little bit later. They're going to drop probably a couple rounds just because they are older and people want to stay away from the older running backs. So just to name a handful here, you've got Christian McCaffrey, currently 26. You got Austin Eckler, 27. Dalvin Cook, 27. Joe Mixon, 26. Nick Chubb, 26. Kamara, 27. Derrick Henry, 28. Aaron Jones, 28. I mean, these are all guys that are still producing really well for you. And unless their situation drastically changes or they get injured here late in the season, I don't see there's a reason why their production is going to drop so significantly that they still won't be great fantasy options for you. Yeah, you just listed a whole ton of top 10 fantasy running back as of this moment. And and they're all in that age group. And they've been top 10 running backs, more or less, for the last four or five years. And I think it's going to continue for another year or two at least, even with these new running backs coming in, uh, mainly because you're not seeing the bell cow running backs like you used to. I mean, it's pretty much every backfield is some sort of timeshare, which is reducing the amount of wear and tear that these players are facing week in and week out, even with the extra week added on to the NFL season now. Uh, so you're going to see the longevity of these players continue, and they are the ones that have the upside to break one off. Um, typically, they're involved in the passing game so that you know you get that sort of involvement as well, the, the PPR upside. So, yeah, don't sleep on these aging running backs come draft season next year. Uh, you won't regret it. Yeah, I think that it's easy, as we've done previously, to say there's an age cliff of coming for players mm-hmm. and it scares you off. I don't know. Let's just pick a name out of a hat. Like, like let's Zeke? say Tom Brady. No, I was going to say Zeke. Say- <laughs> okay, that's, I mean, that's the fair. exception that proves the rule. Yeah, I mean, okay? it's fair. Like, like this isn't 100% across the board. Yes. I mean, yeah. I think I think Zeke is a perfect example. Like, I think we've all seen it. Like, he has hit the age cliff. And, right. And I would say and that, will that happen. In, in, in hindsight, I think there are ways to identify those kinds uh, of players, potentially, that maybe stick out. At least that have more of the risk than some of the other ones. Derrick Henry, right. his only risk was... He got injured once last year, and now what? That was mm-hmm. it. That was the analysis that was keeping Derrick Henry further down draft boards. And it's a little bit silly when we look back mm-hmm. on it right now. And so, yes, I want to take this thought process into next season. And I don't even want to apply it just to running backs, but I want to apply it to a good, healthy amount of players. Uh, maybe even Tom Brady. Again, we'll see if he's back <laughs> next year. <laughs> Okay. Do you have another one, Jake? Or I do. I want the Ghost of Christmas Past to keep us in the backfields. Explore a little bit more of these backfields. Let's talk about handcuffs. Handcuffing is a process. Prior to this year, I didn't really do. I wasn't a big fan of handcuffing running backs. I felt like I was crippling my own overall draft value by doing okay. that. Can- so do, do you typically handcuff your own running backs or someone else's? I typically do neither. Okay. I typically start with the assumption of full health for all players throughout the year and then let the cards fall where they may with waiver pickups and the like. That's normally my process. However, this year I said I'm foolish for not taking advantage because we've seen injuries happen. We know they happen. You might not be able to predict them, but you might be able to look at the backfields that would benefit if it were Mm -hmm. to happen and pick out those players. And I thought I could do that this year. I thought I did that this season. But I think the the ghost of Christmas past is saying, it's not as easy as it looks. It's not always as fruitful as you think it will be, because here's just some names. I don't know. Off the top of my head, not relevant (laughs) to anything uh, from a few months ago. But let's say Melvin Gordon Jr. Uh, or Melvin, Melvin Gordon the third. Sorry, mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon Jr. Jr. And let's say Daryl Henderson Jr. And I don't know Michael Carter. All right, here's some guys where they would absolutely benefit if the guy ahead of them were to get injured. They would become fantasy studs. So why not draft a player like again? I don't know the aging Zeke Elliott ahead of them, and the 
aging Alvin Kamara because they'd be safe enough anyways. And then I can just reap the spoils if, let's say, Javante Williams got injured, if Cam Akers wasn't a factor, if Brees Hall got injured. And all three of those things happened, and it still didn't matter for any of these running backs because they still ended up, whether it be because of their own issues, their own lack of Mm -hmm. talent, their own hitting a cliff, or the coaching staff not utilizing them the way that we want, did not work out. And this seemed like the best year to take advantage of handcuffs just due to how many injuries there were. You know, I mean, we're looking at J.K. Mm -hmm. Dobbins still not coming back. And then we should be able to use uh, Gus Edwards or Kenyon Drake. And it's like, you could use them for one game. Uh, And now as we get into the late season, we're still scrambling for handcuffs. And so I think putting too many eggs in that basket is a bad idea. And and Mm -hmm. I don't think next year I'm going to back away from it entirely. It could just be a stroke of bad luck. But I do think you have to be really, really sure of who the beneficiary is and really, really sure that they're going to get close to the same fantasy production as the guy mm-hmm. ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, I like that, Jake. Um, yeah, I typically um, don't draft handcuffs for my own running backs because then you're kind of expecting injury to happen to your own players on your mm-hmm. team which you should never put that juju out into the uh, universe there. So typically I'll draft what I think are higher end handcuffs. Yeah. I, I don't know. I want to make a foolish decision, like going over, you know, Melvin Gordon or anything like that. But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, that asshole really had it coming. Whoever drafted him, that's his fault. But yeah, like, like I took Alexander Madison, he's still sitting on my bench because it just seems like, you know, Delvin cook, he gets dinged up every year and will miss like a game or a couple games. So, uh, you know, when they're high value ones are like Tony Pollard, even though it's more of like a one, a one B this year, he was still considered a handcuff to Zeke. Um, so whoever got him, you know, that was a great pickup. Uh, if you're able to get him in your draft, like that one definitely worked out really well, especially as the season's gone on here. So yeah, I always try to identify running backs from other teams that I can handcuff that I think have, you know, the path upside, obviously, um, you know, we're not perfect and it doesn't come out that way all the time, but um, that's the goal. Agreed. And I 1000% agree with your methodology. Handcuff somebody else. Cause you know what? Mm-hmm. If you handcuff your own guys, you're handcuffing yourself. Right. Ooh. You know, Ooh. You know? deep thoughts by Jake Trowbridge. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's do one more here and then we'll, we'll start looking ahead here. We'll get out of the past and move to the present. So this one, it's don't be afraid of stacking. Like, just don't be afraid of stacking and and stacking your quarterback with your wide receiver or your tight end or both or your running back. Like, don't be afraid to to pick out high-powered offenses and stack those players. Because if you hit on that, the reward is going to be incredible for you. Um, and this is probably the first year that I really, you know, I always kind of did it in best ball. I'd try to stack my players just because it's best ball and you want to hit on those boom weeks. Uh, but, but for, you know, the weekly game here in redraft, like I typically never have actively tried to do it. And I'll, and I'll admit, this is something I actively like tried to do this year. Um, and, and it's worked out pretty well. Uh, but looking back, it's like, I wish I would have tried a little bit more to get a couple other players from teams to stack with it instead of just the quarterback wide receiver. Try maybe getting the tight end or or the running back in there as well to really just get like a super stack going uh, and really just maximize those points on a high-powered offense. You could have, hypothetically, very easily drafted Travis Kelsey Mm -hmm. and Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. You could have gotten that stack in read. Yep. And that's the kind of thing to look back on. It hurts when you see that now that that could have been an easy way to jump off your draft. And you don't do that. Yes, it stinks. I get it. Mm-hmm. I would say, so, by the way, just to add to that, uh, I do think that stacking can be sometimes overrated. I think sometimes people reach just to have somebody. Like you'll draft Trevor Lawrence and then you go, I, I don't know. I get, I'll take... 
So I'll take Zay Jones just cause or Marvin Jones. I don't know. I got to have somebody to pair with them. Oh, yeah. I'm, no, I'm not saying always stack, but I'm like, if you get the opportunity again, especially with these, I wouldn't consider as much as we love the Jags offense here on this podcast. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily consider them right now a high powered offense. So, I mean, I, you're going to focus on the Bills, the, you know, the Chiefs. Uh, the Eagles, you know, the, these high powered, real scoring a ton of points offenses and try to get those players and, and get that mix of stack in there, because that that's what will really help you win. Absolutely. Stacking mediocre will just give you mediocre points and you don't want that. It's almost like you shouldn't invite mediocrity onto your team mm-hmm. and then pile more mediocrity on top of that. It's almost like that's not a winning solution. I think we'll have to fact check that. I don't know. Yeah. All right. We will do that. And maybe you can give us an update next week on that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put out a poll and see if people are interested. All right. Let's, let's move back into the present. Ghost of fantasy pass. Get the fuck out of here. We're, (laughs) we're done with you. We we've learned what we need to learn. Can't you tell where we're more humble and, and better rounded individuals now because of it. Let's That's get right. back to the present here. Welcome in Ghost of Fantasy Present. Let's, That's right. Let's get him in here. So let's let's do our starts of the week, and we will revisit last week's starts. So Jake. Oh, so the Ghost of Fantasy Past is still hanging out for a yeah, second. I thought we were going to beyond this. I guess the recent past. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is much more current than than beginning of season. So. Uh, so, Jake, you had Zay Jones last week versus Detroit as your start at coming in at a not so nice wide receiver 69 uh, with 4.6 points. I'm sorry, Jake, that didn't work out for you. I had DeAndre Swift going against Jacksonville, the other side of the ball there, and he ended up with 21.1 points as the RB4 on the week. Hmm. Kudos. Although Jamal Williams still had, you know, his vulture touchdown. So it could have been even better, but yes, it still worked out super well for me. So. Absolutely. Hooray there. Okay, Jake, on to this week. Who is your start? I'm going to totally redeem myself with this week's start of the week for myself, which is Garrett Wilson going against the Buffalo Bills. I don't know. People might be a little bit timid about starting Garrett Wilson this week. Uh, despite his kind of coming on here because they're playing the Bills. But the Bills, I think it's only in namesake that they're a bad matchup. I I don't think this year has shown at all that they're a bad matchup. In fact, right now, wide receivers going against the Bills are getting in the top 10 for fantasy points. It's a top 10 matchup for fantasy wide receivers, just barely. Garrett Wilson, for his part, has been amazing as long as as long as Zach Wilson is not on the damn field. And it does not seem that he's going to be coming back this week. The reports out there is that he'll be back eventually this year, which why? That's stupid. Yeah. But here's the splits for Garrett Wilson with and without Zach Wilson. This is ridiculous. With Zach Wilson, he's averaging 8.4 fantasy points per game. Without Zach Wilson, this is a mix of Joe Flacco and Mike White, he is averaging 20.4 fantasy points per game. He is matchup proof (laughs) at this point. is ridiculous. Those huge. That's ridiculous. Yep. Oh my God. I, I had no idea it was that significant of a difference. Egregious. So fire that dude Egregious. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. I really like that, Jake. All right. My start of the week is one Mr. Miles Sanders going against the New York football Giants. Why everyone has to say it that way, I don't know, but um, I do it too. So uh, over the past like six weeks, five weeks, wait, nine, 13, that's <laughs> one plus two but, plus one plus yeah. two. Anyway. Or last stretch here, last month and a half or so. Uh, he's been a top 12 running back. Uh, he's He's been number 11 overall. Uh, he's on a he's been coming around here. They haven't been throwing it quite as much. Or it's like, they're still throwing the ball plenty. I mean, let's be honest, this offense is electric, but they've been giving a little bit more trust to him and he's been producing. I mean, 
for the season, he's right outside the top 12, if you can believe it, in season-long stats at 13, um, which I don't think anybody expected coming into the season. I know I sure didn't. Uh, and the fact that the last, like I said, last month, month and a half, he's been coming on stronger and been looking really good lately. So uh, the the Washington, Washington, fuck me. Uh, <laughs> The Giants' defense—they're—they're uh, they're middle of the road against running backs, so there is definitely opportunity here for them, and especially if the Eagles get out to a big lead with this offense, and and just—he's going to get his opportunities to kind of grind the clock out and and do his thing. So I think the opportunity for him to have a big game is right there within his grasp. I like it. Yeah, I whiffed on Miles Sanders too. Just didn't. I just didn't think this guy <laughs> was going to be it this year, but mm-hmm. lo and behold, that's what he does. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to make our beer bet this week. Is it is it my turn to choose the matchup? I thought it, is. it was, but I wasn't sure. Okay, no, no, it it definitely is. I didn't want to overstep my boundaries, so I am putting this in front of you. You might want to throw it away, but you can't. Yes. Okay. We're looking at the Minnesota versus Detroit game. And we're looking at quarterback versus quarterback. Kirk Cousins versus Jared Goff mm-hmm. as our beer bet of the week. You get the uh-huh. honors of choosing between those two delightful options. Well, this one is is a no-brainer for me. I, I'm I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. I'm gonna I am going to go with the guy I'm starting in our home league this week. And that is one Mr. Jared Goff. I like it. I was kind of hoping that I could have just swayed you into Kirk Cousins somehow. You know, mentioning nope. him up earlier in the, in the show. I will say both have great matchups. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Both defenses are equally bad, is what I should say, against quarterbacks. And so mm-hmm. I think it's truly anybody's ball game, but I was kind of secretly hoping for Jared Goff. But that's fine. I will take... Kirk Cousins, and this will be fun. It will give us something to watch intently Mm -hmm. during this Packers bye week. Yes. Thankful Packers bye week this week. (laughs) Absolutely. Much needed Packers bye week. More time for seven hours of commercial-free football. That's right. That's right. Yeah. um, I think normally if if this wasn't against Detroit, I probably would have taken Kirk Cousins because he has looked well, he's been Kirk Cousins. He's he's done what he does every single year and just been kind of under the radar, but just I mean, God, their offense is just so good with Jefferson, Thielen, adding Hawkinson was a brilliant move there, uh, with that trade. So I mean I, I love their offense, but like I said, give me the guy I got to start in our home league this week. Or I said I don't have to start him, but I'm choosing to because I love the matchup. I like it. I like it. Well, we'll visit, uh, you know, over the weekend, obviously. We'll just shake, talk each other as it's happening, but mm-hmm. we will do the same with listeners next week. That's right. That's right. Okay, Jake, um, that's kind of the end of the show sheet here. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Uh, as always, I just want to remind everybody that the season's not over. So if you're fighting for a playoff spot, and even if you think that you're maybe almost kind of mathematically eliminated, don't give up hope. Go out there, make your waiver pickups. If your league still allows trading to happen, make the damn trades, do the damn thing. There are still surprisingly waiver options that are maybe good for you. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Zonovan Knight's still hanging out there running back for the Jets, who is actually a good handcuff. Who knew? Uh, there are guys right. like that out there. If Christian Watson is still on your waivers, uh, now would be a good time to mm-hmm. add him. He's probably not on waivers, but there are guys like that, even even quarterbacks. Even mm-hmm. a Brock Purdy, who is now the incumbent starter for the 49ers, might be you know worth an ad. So, it could be Baker, though. Uh, Baker signed with the Rams. By the oh, way, breaking the news right before we uh, yep uh, hopped on the show here. So he is with the Rams. I would still not pick up Baker Mayfield. No, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to do that. No, yeah, crazy. Yeah, 
I mean, if you're on the outside looking in here, I know this is for most leagues the last week of the regular season here before the playoffs start. If you're on the outside looking in, set your you know, go for that high ceiling play if you have to to just score the points because once you get in, anything can happen. I mean, in one of my leagues that I'm in, I'm at the seventh spot right now, but there's four teams that are all tied above me. So I could get like the fourth, the fourth seed. If things were to break, if they were like all to lose and I were to win, I could in theory get the fourth seed. So, which wouldn't be a bad spot. I mean, my record isn't great, but Hey, yeah, that it just shows that anything can happen on any given week. You can sneak into the playoffs. Your team gets hot and you can win a ship. And any spot so, in the playoffs is a good spot as long as you right. make it in. So six that's seeds, right. we've seen it in multiple mm-hmm. times in our league. Uh, yep. Six seed going all the way, getting at least to the championship game, if not outright winning it. So that's right. Not out of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good point there, Jake. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, this week, we've got lots of teams on by. Uh, for some reason, the NFL decided, hey, the week before the fantasy playoff starts, Let's have our heaviest week of buy teams. So you've got Atlanta, Chicago, Green Bay, Indianapolis, New Orleans, and Washington all on buy this week. So please don't start anyone from those teams because you're only going to be hurting your chances of getting into the playoffs. Correct, Amundo. Yep. And as always, folks, go out, share this podcast with anyone you know. Uh, it helps get us more viewers, more listeners, which we truly appreciate. Uh, Join us every week here. We go live pretty much 6.30 Central Standard Time every week. Uh, Join us live on YouTube. Uh, You can join us in the chat. Uh, We'll answer any of your football or non-football related questions. Uh, We love the good interaction in the chat. Uh, It's a lot of fun, so come join us here. If you don't choose to join us here, I guess that's okay. I'll forgive you. But at least go give us a rate and review on wherever you can um, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until next week, folks, good luck with your fantasy teams. And we'll see you next week. Cheers, FFers.